This podcast is a part of the Carbon Almanac Network of Podcasts. Welcome to the Carbon Connection Podcast. It's not too late to change the conversation about climate change from doom and gloom to a conversation about possibility. This podcast is a curated selection of episodes that we just had to share with you. The Carbon Connection is about the many dimensions of climate change and the conversations people are having across the globe. It's about hope, community, advocacy, science, and changing our future. Hi, I'm Barbara from Italy, and I'm a member of the Carbon Almanac Network. The Carbon Almanac is not only a book about climate change. It's the result of the collaboration of hundreds of volunteers all over the world, common people like you that committed their time, energy and skills for something bigger than themselves, a true and great example of leadership and meaningful work. In this episode, Paige and Dan talk about how all this has been possible and share some incredible lessons learned, valuable for helping save the planet as well as for having an impact on your daily life. Listen to the episode if you're in search of inspiration on how to do work that matters and with purpose. You'll be surprised it won't look like a work at all. Hope you enjoy it. It pays to paint with Lowe's. Pros can earn more faster by signing up for our MVPs Pro Rewards program. Get up to 20% back when you buy more paint, including top paint and stain brands pros trust, such as HGTV Home by Sherwin-Williams and Valspar. Visit us in-store or at Lowe's.com today to get started. Based on minimum qualifying annual spend, Lowe's gift card must be claimed by last day of calendar year. Valid through 1231. Additional exclusions, terms, and conditions apply. See Lowe's.com slash L slash pro loyalty terms for details. Barley, there are two areas of life where we experience fulfillment and meaning. One is in our work, in our career. If you're listening to the meaning movement, if you're listening to the show, you know you've wrestled with some of those ideas. But then there's also outside of your work and your career. Most of us here realize that it's a both and situation. There's some aspect of meaning and purpose to be found in our day-to-day work life, and there's some to be found outside of that. My conversation with Paige and Jane, we get to to dig right into that topic directly. Paige is a volunteer with the Carbon Almanac Network. I met her volunteering there as well. She's a writer. She is a longtime entrepreneur, small business owner. We get to dig into some of her work journey, some of her involvement in this amazing project and the meaning that she's found along the way from being involved. I can't wait to share this interview with you. She's just a dynamic woman. I've really enjoyed getting to know her. I think you'll enjoy this little bit of a taste of who she is and what she's doing in the world. Welcome to the Meaning Movement podcast. We know you want to build a stress-free life and business that gives you the financial freedom and lifestyle that you want. In order to do that, you have to eliminate the conflict between your work and the rest of your life. But the problem is running a business is hard and requires sacrifice and commitment, leaving you feeling depleted, exhausted, and even burned out. 
but we believe that every entrepreneur deserves to recapture the motivation and energy they need to run their business. And that is what this show is all about. I'm your host, Dan Cumberland. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening and let's go. Paige, welcome to the Meaning Movement Podcast. I'm so excited to have you here with us. Thanks, Dan. I'm so excited to be here. The question I'd like to begin with is, how do you begin to talk about the work that you do? Yeah, so there's two types of work that I do. One is in my regular career, um, and one is um, as one of the contributing authors to the Carbon Almanac. So we'll start with my career because it kind of it kind of meshes. Um, so back. 25 years ago, I realized that I wanted to, I love to work. I love to work. I love to feel productive. But it was the job I had um, in corporate America was not compatible to raising kids. And I realized that I loved my kids a little bit more than I loved that feeling of productivity. <laughs> so I needed to find something that would um, allow me to um, have a flexible enough schedule. I could work at 2 a.m. I could work during nap time. Um, in order to build my business. And so that is that is the, the career path I chose. Um, lately, about a year ago, um, so, that, so I'm in my 50s. And one of the things that you notice in your 50s is that your kids, I have three kids, and my last one is 16. So I needed a whole lot less. So there's this like, there's this window of time where the kids are driving themselves, the other kids are out of the house, and you get a little bit of time back. Um, yeah. You don't ever think that as a parent, you don't ever think that that is going to happen, but it does happen. And so I said to my friend, Angelique, we were walking and I said, don't you feel like you could go back and do something um, that you love to do in your twenties that you might've made a career and you might have some regrets about not making a career. Do you think that that, I, that we could do that in the next 10 years before grandchildren sort of start coming? And she and I talked about that. And um, that is how um, I joined the Carbon Almanac. Um, I had always wanted to write a book. I thought, huh, maybe I missed my calling. Um, I mm. should have been an author. And mm. when Seth Godin put out the call for um, people to help him write the Car Carbon Almanac last fall, um, I raised my hand because I thought, well, I recycle, which is a funny story, right? I thought that was all I that that was <laughs> that was a great contributor to, to um, you know the, the solution. Uh, it turned out not to be. But um, I also thought I can try this out with, under the under you know with with the best guide in the business. Yes, I love it. I love it so much. I I have three kids. Um, the oldest is about to turn seven, and so um, I, I I I can't I can't relate at all to like having time. I'm on the other side of that where it's like I I have no time, which is some of why. You know, I we we've met through the, the Carbon Almanac Network as I've been finding my my place there and exploring it, and which I'm just so so thrilled to be contributing in in some way. And I also thought about joining back in the fall when um, when Seth started organizing things, and I I I, I didn't because um, I just felt a little. It was just a super. I just don't have much free time, you know, and I, it's, I have so much regret over it, though, because I and because I'm like, I wish that I had been there from from day one, um, but still so happy that, you know, that there's space. There's so there's I think what I've loved about it so far is how 
just collaborative the whole thing is and i I think it's in the spirit of you know the 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 almanac as well as just i think humanity and the earth like we have to you know solve solve this together um so before we get into the you know the meta level of (laughs) these these problems first let's just talk about what how, how do you talk about the carbon almanac what what is it yeah so um it it is a collaboration 300 of us got together last fall um, under the guidance of Seth Godin, who is a published author, many times over a best-selling author. And um, he guided us in writing this book. Um, each of us took a section that we were interested in. And literally, he just said, start writing, you know, start researching, start writing. And everything had to be footnoted. Everything had to be um, very well researched. Um, however, he said, just start writing nobody is qualified to write page 19. It may as well be you. That was sort of the mantra. Yes. Yeah. So, so, you know, the first time you hand something in as a person that thought she wanted to be an author, it is so scary because there were editors, there were fact checkers. Um, It is super nerve wracking. Um, But as you get going, you get the, you get in the groove of it all. And so what happened was I, um, I was tasked to write a section called um, why are the numbers so confusing? And it Mm. talked about how like you, you look at one article and it says, you know, 50% of um, X is contributing to climate change. And you look at another article and it says, you know, it, the the numbers just don't add up. And so I, um, I dug into that and that article made me realize what a rookie I was about the subject of climate change. And so I approached Seth and said, we need, I think, a section for people like me um, who are rookies. Um, we need to define the terms. We can't let people just jump into this because the, the book is about um, helping people understand climate change so that they're able to actually take action. I think mm. everybody, um, you know, most people want to take action. They may not understand it. And so mm. I found myself in the position of that, that rookie and I thought I can talk to these people because I was one five minutes ago. Yes. Um, yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, I, I, I'm. I love that piece of you. Just you know, you're saying like you that you you wanted to be an author, or like that there was kind of this latent maybe desire in you. And I, I'm curious just to hear a little bit about about that about your relationship with with writing as kind of the entry point into your you know your involvement here. Yeah. So. Um, So as a small business owner, you won't even believe what I do and that I actually write in my business. Nobody can believe that the two are even related. But um, I own a painting company in the Boston area, a house painting company in the Boston area. And one of my favorite tasks is working on search engine optimization, which means I have to write articles for my website so that I rank really high in Google. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's just something that I love to do. And if I never had to do anything else in my business, I would be so happy. Um, of course it's only probably a 10th of my job. So I feel like I'm a pretty good writer. Um, I have all the tools, um, I've learned about search engine optimization. I've learned to write really clearly and that's what the rookies needed. They needed somebody to lay this out in a Mm -hmm. really clear bullet pointed way with, um, some really nice illustrations. Um, very, very early on, we brought in an illustrator from uh, England who was somebody on the, um, on the project. Um, and, and Mishi and I worked together to, 
um, to write and illustrate the rookie section, which is the front section of the book. Yes. I love it. I love it. It's it's just super fun just to see, you know, how that skill, and I think you were talking about this, you know, before we, we really even um, hit, hit the record button, but like how you collect these skills, like along, along the way of your life. And you don't really know. And, so, and this is something I've been experiencing personally in, in my own work. Um, sometimes you don't know that you have them or maybe you you've just forgotten about them right. and then all of a sudden there's like some need and it's like oh i i can i can do that now but you don't uh i don't know it's it's, it's like it's like you've grown but you don't realize you've grown right you've forgotten the skills right so it's a, here's a good example so in my office when somebody is sick i might go in and fill in their job now i've yep. done their job probably 10 years ago i've done all the jobs and yes. i'm always a little bit nervous that first yes. day cuz i'm thinking do i have the do i have the muscle memory and inevitably within 2 hours you've got the muscle memory again you're yes. like oh yeah i remember how to do this so yeah, I think that um, I I think that that's what happened with um, Carbon Almanac. I had I had, my previous job was in advertising, and so I'm I was used to working with art directors and um, copywriters, and so, I, but I didn't remember those. I, I sort of always wondered if those skills got rusty, and turns out yes. they didn't. Yes, I love right? it. Like riding a bicycle, maybe like yeah. you just you pick it back up. You might be a little wobbly at first, but then you get it back. Exactly. Exactly. That was so exciting. And I also thought to myself, um, what an opportunity um, to know. And this is sort of my message to all of your listeners. And that is, if you're wondering, um, if you have regret in your career, if you are wondering if something, if you could do something, try it out. This was like an internship. My kids would say, mom, you're Seth Godin's intern. And, <laughs> and so I was like, I guess I am. Right. Yes. And I wanted to know the ins and outs. Like I stayed as long as I have because mm. I wanted to see how a book launched. I want to see yes. the after effects of a book launch. Um, what's, what's so interesting is that writing the book was really the easy part. Um, getting mm. it noticed, getting it out there and getting it to spread, getting the message to spread is a lot harder. Just like a small business. You don't open your doors and everybody comes running. You sort of think that that's going to happen yes. in your mind, right? Yes. Um, you open your doors and there's, there's crowds of people like, like the <laughs> Apple store, like you're, like you're releasing a new yes. iPhone. But, um, but it doesn't happen that way. You really have to. This, this book is a small business yeah. and it needs a lot of nurturing. After we launched, we are tracking so many metrics because we need this book to keep um, keep spreading. Yes, I love it. Well, and that that's really validating and, and helpful for me to hear because I, like I said, I feel like I have so much regret that I wasn't wasn't involved from day one. But I, I'm happy to hear that I'm that there's still so much important work to be done. Um, and so, um, yeah, it's, it's yeah. And to be it, clear. I, I yeah. never would have joined if my children were in were seven years old. Yes. <laughs> I, there's just no time for that. If you totally. want to do a good job as a parent, right? Yes. Um, yes. But you will notice this. I, I hope you notice this. In as your kids start to leave the nest or need you less, there is some time that does free up, and yeah. all of a sudden you're sort of looking around, and you could you could use that time to scroll Facebook, or yeah. you can use that time to. Um, to do something meaningful. Yeah. Yes. I love it. I love it. Well, 
I, I'm super curious just about. I mean, I see. I'm I'm in the the, the message boards and um, finding finding my way to how how I can best you know lend my lend my the the, the little time and um, and and effort and my voice that I that I that I can. Um, but it's a, it's an amazing thing to witness so many people. Uh, I I don't I don't really know how to describe it because it's almost it's I want to say like decentralized. That's not right quite the right word, but I, I just want to hear maybe a little bit more just about like just the 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 messy and beautiful and uh, complex process of like getting a bunch of volunteers to write something together and then also continue on to like make podcasts and photo books and kids books and all the things that that. Um, you and the community have been been creating. I just want to hear more about you know your experience through through that process. Yeah, so let's let's sort of lay it out for the listeners. Um, yeah. We are working on a um, a messaging board. I call it called Discord, and um, Discourse allows it's it's incredibly complicated when you first get on, and I think <laughs> yeah, that it's a little scary, <laughs> right? I remember thinking, oh my goodness, I I'm going to need my my kids to help me understand even how to get around here. Um, it's it's like Slack on steroids. Yes. Um, yes. So I think, you know, there are very few times in life where all the right people show up with all the right attitude. But that's what happened last mm. fall. Um, there was not a lot of, um, there was not a lot of um, trouble. Like there was not yeah. a lot of politics. There was not yes. a lot of drama. There was no drama. And yes. it was... I, I, I hearken it back to, um, it's, it's like, it was like working with a great improv group. You would hmm. say, I think we should do X. And then somebody would say, yes, and, and they hmm. would make that idea better. Hmm. And um, I'm not sure that that kind of magic will ever happen in my life again. It really yeah. was like, um, it was just magical. And we all felt it. We all yes. felt it. Um, the, uh, it. The, the, the designer, there were designers, um, they did a lot of heavy lifting because there were very few of them. There were more writers than there were designers. Mm -hmm. And so um, in the end, they had to take all of these articles and um, make them cohesive. Um, the people that did the infographics were geniuses. I mean, I've never worked with people that could take an idea and distill it down to just like the simplest graph. Um, so that it's so easy for just you to open the book and just understand a little more about climate change. Um, and so it was it and, and the, it was a little messy. Right. So the messiness came at the end when we were trying to make this this whole thing cohesive. Yeah. Um, and there was a deadline. We promised it. I think it was end of February of 2022. Um, yeah. It needed to go to Random House um, to be published. Um, and then there was a little messiness with supply chain issues. We had to choose a paper, like all of these things that you don't think about, right? So you think, yes. oh, an author, you see them on podcasts, you see them touring around on their book tour, but at some point they had to choose a paper, yes. right? And they but had to choose a paper that would be available even with supply chain issues, uh -huh. right? Uh -huh. um, our publication date was originally, I think June 21st, we kept saying the summer solstice. Well, then that got moved because supply chain issues and it got moved mm. to uh, middle of July. So there were it wasn't perfect, but yeah. um, I got to see all of the ins and outs of what goes into writing a book. Uh, yeah. It was fascinating. Yes, I love it. 
Um, and just also for, for listeners, just to even further describe the, the book itself is organized into basically like short articles. That's one of the things I, I love about it is that it's really easy to just open it up, find a topic that's interesting, or you could just read your way through. I mean, it's called an almanac because it's kind of inspired by like a, like a farmer's almanac. Exactly. Um, where yeah. Where there's just articles on different, different aspects of from your banking to transportation or, or whatever. Um, and so it's just so so accessible um, and beautifully beautifully illustrated and and um, designed. So um, just kind of continue to fill out the picture for um, for for listeners. I'm curious for you how participating in this project um, changed. I, well, I I, I, well, the, I think the question the question I want to ask is how how has it affected your your view of like of humanity of collaboration of like seeing people come together like this. Like I'm, I'm curious, just, I, I don't, I feel like you can't go through an experience like that without feeling, without being changed by it. Right. Absolutely. So I kept saying out loud um, to anybody that would listen that these were the, these would be people now granted we were working with people in the Netherlands, um, in Italy, um, people all around the world. First of all, they all spoke English. Like you can't believe um, Barbara, <laughs> yes. who um, who's an Italian native speaker, was the person that that um, on the kids book. Um, she was our proofreader. Her English was so good that she could proofread better than us. So that was remarkable Amazing. to me that that how well people spoke um, the Eng- the English language. Yeah. Um, so, but how, how was I changed by it? Um, I realized um, that it is so much easier to move forward without drama um, mm-hmm. if you almost ignore it. So yeah. um, the, if there, if there, the tiny bit of um, politicking that happened um, really went away very, very quickly. And here we had the um, Seth Godin, who is somebody that writes about management. He writes about marketing, managing us. Right. So you could take what he was doing and use it. You could just turn around and use it in your own job that yeah. day. Um, yes. he, he manages really positively. Um, yes. Everything starts with thank you. Um, mm. It was remarkable. And mm. so I, I, I was changed because I was, I'm not as cranky anymore. I'm not <laughs> as cranky at work. I'm much more yeah. positive and um, grateful um, for yeah. the work that people do. I love it. I love it. That's, that's really, um, yeah, really, it's really, really beautiful. Um, some of my, my draw, I guess, to what, what, what made me reconsider my decision not to be a part of the project was, well, one, the, the book is just beautiful. And I was like, I, I just want to see, I want everyone to experience it. Um, and, and then two, just feeling like, uh, like I want to be able to look back and be able to point at something. This is where this is where the feelings come up for me, and like to to tell my kids that I that I tried. Right. Yes. You can you imagine what our kids are going to say about us thirty years from now if we yeah. don't try? And yes. so I agree with you. Um, it yes. what, what happened was with the kids book, um, and I'll it was it became very personal for me too, Dan. Um. After the the original book, the, the Carbon Almanac, went to the publisher in in February, I realized I had far more juice left in me. Like I had not gotten my, I had not sown my oats on the project. Say. 
I love and it. So yeah, so I approached Seth and said, "Let's do, can we do a kids book?" And he kind of shrugged his shoulders and was like, "Yeah, I guess so." Um, yeah. And it started out that the idea was a fifteen-page um, book that um, you know would would sort of riff off of the rookies part, the rookie section. Um, yeah. What I realized very very early on um, was that the um, that kids really know more about this than adults, about climate change than adults do. Um, they're learning about it in school. Yeah. I never learned about it in school. So I, yeah. I mean, I, w- I was under a lot of misconceptions. There was a lot of myths that needed to be um, squelched for me totally. to, 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 to write this book. And so what we did was um, uh, the group of people, there were 80 of us that worked on the kids book. Um, and the writers really quickly determined that, the, the theme of the book should be that the kids teach five adults what they know. They could teach their grandmother. Um, they, could, they could teach their teachers. They could teach the principal. But the, the kids know this stuff, and they're worried. Um, and, and let me tell you how I realized very early on that adults don't know. I was talking to my mother-in-law, and my, my son, who's 15, who was 15 at the time, um, was at the kitchen table, and he said something like "situ," which is um, it's grandma for in Lebanese. Um, "Situ," um, you know, using your hair dryer even releases carbon. And she was so confused by this. Now mm. she's an educated person, and I'm sure she wants to do the right thing. But it was yeah. not clear to her because there was no flames coming out of her hair dryer. Yes, right. So it's an invisible problem. And yes. invisible problems tend to be ignored by adults because we've got mm. so many other things that are just sort of urgent and in our face. Yes. And so it was really clear to us that we needed to teach adults. Um, we needed to sort of highlight the invisibility of the problem and then have the kids really take it on to teach the adults. We also knew very early on that although so it is published on Amazon, you can buy a copy of the book, but there's no need to do that. We wanted this to be free so that the message would spread far and wide. Um, a, a teacher might email it to another teacher. Um, a parent might email it to a superintendent who could use it to, to read, um, to do a whole school reading program um, that costs nothing. Um, so yes. it was really important for us to, to make it free. And then yes. what started happening was it, we published it in, in April and um, everybody started saying, can I translate it? And so now mm-hmm. it's in 13 different languages. Um, American teachers are using it in their Spanish classes to teach Spanish to, oh, so you cool. know, to American students. Yes. And then Spanish students are using it in, you know, in Spain. Um, and there's also a version. So my son has dyslexia. And he was insistent that we do a version in a font that's much easier for people with reading disabilities to read. So if you oh, go on the cool. translation page, you can you can even down a reading specialist can use this in their cool. classes. It's very hard to find books in that font. And yeah. um, we got Dyslexi font um, to donate the font. Um, again, I had no idea that you needed to pay for fonts, right? So there's yes. another learning um, uh-huh. as an author, and um, and so that is even available. Um, so and cool. it has just spread and it's been fantastic. I love it. I love it. I mean, I mean, still like the very first sentence he says that 80 of us wrote this kid's book. And I was just like, you think of a kid's book being written by a writer and an illustrator, but like 80 yes. people still like just, just blows my mind. It's just, yeah, there's mind. so much to do. And, and yes, you have a writer and an illustrator, but somebody's got to edit it. Somebody's yeah. got to fact check yeah. it. Somebody's yes. got to proofread it. Um, somebody's yes. got to, 
uh, put the pages in the right order. Yes. Yes, I love it. We'll get right back to our conversation, but I wanted to give a quick shout out to our sponsor. This episode in this season of the podcast is brought to you by 923.co, a web and mobile app development team that I have been working directly with for more than a year, building VideoSnap. Videosnap.io, if you don't know, is the software that I built to repurpose long-form speech-based content, like this podcast, into short-form viral-ready videos. Think TikTok, YouTube Shorts, Reels, etc. If you're making content and you want to be found in the algorithms, you should be using Videosnap. I've been building directly with 923, and they are a phenomenal team with a strong track record of building high-quality apps. They've built more than 50 apps. Those apps have gone on to do more than a billion dollars for their clients, which is incredible. I'm also now contributing to their team in a product strategy role, which means if you have a dream that you want to realize with software, not only should you talk to 923 because they are so good at software, but I could help you directly build that with them. Go to 923.co, all spelled out, 9-N-I-N-E-T-W-O-T-H-R-E-E.co, and find out more. Thanks so much. Now back to the show. One of the things that, you know, when I, I opened the, the kids' book for the first time, I, I, I'm very sensitive to, like, not not burdening my children with right. too, like, too heavy of stuff. And I, I was really, just really appreciate the way that it was that, that the messaging is, is done in the book that it's like, you know, if you, uh, if, if you, if you're swimming in a swimming in a pool and it's, and it's, it's heated and that, you know, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's okay. If it's not like you're, it's not perfect. And I think that's, that's the message that, that I think comes across really, really well. It's like, the, the earth, the hu- humankind, all, all living things uh, on earth don't, don't need you to be perfect. They just need yes. you to care and to take, to take action. Yes. I, think is, is- I feel like that's just in the ethos of the whole, of the whole project, which is, I, th- I think so often, at least in my own life, perfect has been, gets in the way of the good. Uh, and it's actually oh something goodness, I, I- you'll never start. Yeah. We would never have started this project if we were waiting for perfect. And somebody, I was doing a talk last week and somebody raised their hand and said, you know, I'm thinking of getting an electric vehicle, but that's not perfect because if I plug it in, you know, I might be using electricity that's generated by coal. And I said, yep. Yep. Right. If we, we can't wait till it's perfect. I mean, that's, it's better than gas, but it's not perfect. And I don't want people to feel um, bad. And I certainly didn't, we didn't want the kids to feel bad about um, taking an airplane if that's the only way you can get there. Now, yeah. we also talk about in the kids book, the fact that shorter distances, you could, you might encourage your parents to take a train because yeah. it's so much less um, carbon emitting than a plane. Um, yes. And oftentimes it's only a 15 minute difference when you start, when you talk about, you know, the weight at the airport, the security line and all that. So yes. we talk about that. But we say, ultimately, if your parents are, you know, making you get on a plane, get on the plane with them. We don't have to be perfect here, but we do have to start. Yes, yes. I think it's just such an overwhelmingly positive um, message that I think it's just really, it's just so much helpful, so much more helpful than than the the common message of, you know, guilt or shame or, you know, uh, it's too big of a problem. There's nothing you can do. And instead it's like, there's so much you can do. Just do something. Right. Absolutely. I think people, um, so, you know, if you look around, a lot of people talk about individual actions that they can take. Mm -hmm. Um, They might, they might um, 
get the electric vehicle. But if there, let's let's say you're in the you're in your company, you are in charge of your fleet. Maybe you could get hybrids next time, or maybe yes. you could get um, maybe you can get electric vehicles if you're not yes. if you're not going more than 300 miles, you know, radius. Um, yes. So there are ways to take those individual actions that we're that we're all trying to do, but feeling like is this really going to be enough and multiply them. Yes, I love it. That's a really a really great yeah, really great great way to think of it. How can you how can you make your choices, uh, multiply your choices without you know without forcing them on other people, but to just make make those small adjustments, those small changes that um, can have bigger bigger ramifications. Which is yeah, absolutely. Really- In the kids book, we talk about. I think there was one of one of the ideas was. Um, the kids could go to their school officer and say, Hey, can we hang up signs that say no idling while you're waiting for your, while you're picking up your kid? Now that's yeah. a systemic change, right? Yeah. If, if, if one pe- person stops their car from idling, that's, that's good. But yes. imagine if we can get the whole line of pickup uh, parents to yes. stop idling while they're waiting, we could save so a good. lot of carbon. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. I love yeah. it. So a lot of it's not that hard. Yeah, yeah, which is so good. Like it's and it's it's so helpful to be like, yeah, and that's 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 you know, that's enough. That's good. Like right. to be able to just bless those efforts instead of saying, Well, you're not solving the problem. So, you know, but like if everyone takes those small efforts, it adds up. And that's it does. that's the the message, which is which is beautiful. It's hopeful and, and it feels good to be hopeful, I think, around these big things for the first time in, in a long time, at least for me. Um, yeah, so. and and the the book the the subtitle of the Carbon Almanac is it's not too late, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so and for the kids, we weren't sure if we wanted to. Our, our subtitle is it's time to start. Um, yeah. We didn't want to we didn't want to put it to. It, it's not too late. Sounded a little too um, like oh my god, but it might be getting yeah. close. Yes, we wanted it to be a little more positive for the kids. But yes. yeah, we we have to start. Yes. and and a, a lot of it requires us to talk to other people. And in order to talk to other people, we have to know our facts. Yeah. And once you pick up the Carbon Almanac, you, it's like reading the old Guinness Book of World Records, right? It's like yeah. you, can, you can page through it. There's a yeah. different fact on each page. Very, very easy to read. And then when somebody brings it up, you don't have to avert your eyes. You can actually have a conversation and think yes. about how you can solve things. Yes, that's so good. And just to remove the shame, you know, the shame from it, I, I feel like it's a, right. it's a part of it. Like we don't, no one knows all the answers. No one, ha- no one knows it all. There's plenty of gaps, um, but we all have them and we can move forward together, um, yes. which is cool. I love just being able to pick it up. We have a, we have an Airbnb on our property. We, we, we bought a copy just to have in the Airbnb for guests to Ooh. just to, and, you know, to, to peruse. And anytime, you know, anytime I talk about it with friends, I'm always, as much as I can, handing handing out copies, getting copies into people's hands because it is such a fun, fun tool to engage with. Um, yeah, so. absolutely. And and one thing to to tell the listeners is that this was all nonprofit, yes. um, or I guess it's all volunteer, right? Yes. So any profits we make, we we have um, bought books for school libraries. We bought books for um, nonprofits, um, and we've given away probably more books than we've sold. Um, yes. And that it was the whole point of it. Anytime it. we did make money, we were putting it back into getting books in more hands. I love it. So good. Well, just to zoom out again, I'm just curious just to hear um, hear your thoughts on 
um, on on work and how you think about work in your own in your own life and um, like this has been a um, you know a significant effort in the category of work though it's not your job um, obviously um, so I'm not sure exactly what the question is here but um, but I, I think I just want to just hear hear yeah how how you think about work in your life and how this project has has uh, impacted your how you think about you know your next phase of work. Right. So as a parent with a small business um, for the past 25 years, I've always said that, um, you know, my work and my professional life, I would call it professional instead of professional because it's like personal and professional together. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I, it was a juggle. Um, It was not easy to raise my kids um, with, with very, very few babysitters. Um, there, there were a lot of times that it was, you know, at two in the morning, I was doing whatever it took to keep the business going. Um, I always worked from home. Um, I did not go into the office. I do have a husband that works in the office. And so he could be a little bit more client facing, um, than I was, but I really, really felt like whatever I could do to keep my, my toe in the pond, um, would be helpful for me because I love to feel productive. Um, this project didn't feel like work at all. Yeah, I don't know why. And I don't know how I found the time because there were hundreds, maybe even thousands of hours that I, um, that I dedicated to writing the rookie section and then launching and helping write the, the, the kids book. Um, I'm not sure how I found the time. It didn't feel like work at all. So I'm, I can't even, I can't even say it had, it felt anything like I do in my regular career, but I suppose what that's what people, what people call flow. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. As you think forward, you know, into the next years, um, I don't know what, what's, what's next for you? Is it, do you, do you, I mean, do you feel like you have more, more, uh, more in you as far as like, you know, the children's book emerged out of, you know, out of, uh, you know, your, your, your mind. Are there other things like you feel like are going to, going to, like, you, do you have more to say here? Or is it more about the marketing? Or is it more about another, another project? Like, what do you think? What do you think is next? Yeah, so um, two things. One, um, I, I, I've been in business long enough in my regular small business, long enough to know that um, what seems um, boring to us now that we've read it a thousand times. In fact, what's so funny, here's an interesting thing. You would think an author, the day you get your book in the mail, right? The day it's, we, we, we all got galleys, which are um, like a pre-book. Um, it, and it shows you what the book is going to look like. The day you get that in the mail would be, you know, you'd be so proud. And you'd, but, but by that time, I was tired of what was in that book already. Yeah. So, um, so that's why maybe I went on to write the kids book, but yeah. I'm also, I also know that the, the job at hand is not done. Yeah. Um, when you open your doors at your small business and like a book, when the book is launched, people don't line up to, yeah. there's just so, so many things, including podcasts, including TV, including thousands of streaming channels now that fight for people's attention. It mm. used to be, I think that you, you released a book and if you were, semi-famous or famous or whatever, the book just sold, you know, no problem. But there's so much attention um, that is being sort of fragmented Mm. that um, it is really difficult to launch and market a book. 
And so right. just like a small business, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of talking about painting, but I talk about it every day to my customers. I yes. answer the same questions over and over again. Um, it's not boring to my customers. They've never heard, you know, yeah. they've never heard stuff that, that, you know, that I've, that I've been talking about for 10, 11 years. And yeah. so I don't want to, um, I don't want to uh, miss the opportunity and to, to do something else at this point that would jeopardize the success of the message mm. of climate change spreading, yes. Um, yes. even though it would be um, really fun to work on the next shiny object. object. Yes. I know that that could always be down the road, but I yeah. do want to see this part through. I love it. I love it. Um, I mean, it, it makes it makes so much sense. We're, we've we've only just begun, and there's still so much so much more work to do. Yeah, so absolutely. Do. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm curious as as a as a business owner, if there are or maybe the question is what changes or have you made in your business as a result of of the things you've learned about the, you know, you've already mentioned about even just seeing how Seth Godin, you know, led the project and how that affected how you show up, you know, in your business. Oh my goodness. Yeah. But I'm curious absolutely. just to hear some of the, some of you know other, other things that, that other ways that this project has, has, you know, changed your business. Yeah. So um, immediately I realized that there were some low hanging fruit, right? So um, our salespeople have always been for the past 10 years, they've always been in hybrids. That was a business decision, less less a climate change decision, although it's a great decision for the climate, right? So we've got these really, really fuel efficient cars that cost me a whole lot less to run than a gasoline car. And bonus, it's great for the environment. So yeah. I always I I start there that 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 was a place that we had done 10 years ago. But yeah. the low hanging fruit. OK, so in a painting business, you buy a lot of paint yeah. and um, in our software that we use to estimate, we now um, default to the same white paint for everybody. Now, if, if you wanted a different white paint, it would be no problem. But most yeah. people don't care about the white paint that we paint on baseboards or wainscot yes. or crown molding. They just want it to be sort of a bright white semi-gloss. Um, so we default to the same um, to the same color so that we can buy it in bigger um, containers than the small uh, gallon containers. Yeah. And that yeah. saves, saves, you know, that's exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So that was, that was something that we did almost immediately. Yeah. That's so great. I'm, I'm sure there's, I'm sure the list, um, you know, I'm sure that there will continue to be things as you. Oh yeah. No, absolutely. There was, there was a like, few oh, yeah, things that were yeah, low hanging yeah. fruit. I love it. I love it. That's great. Well, I know that um, my, you know, my involvement in the Carbon Almanac started with me. Well, started with me not 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 joining, as I already mentioned, um, in the writing process. But then buying the book, and then feeling like this is just I just need to do more. And then I, I think at some point um, Seth Godin put a kind of a call out to people who want to who want to do more and be be more involved. Um, which has just been, you know, it's been, it's, uh, as I think, as I've said already, like just what I think is one of the most meaningful things I'm, I'm doing right now. Um, other Seth than maybe would say you know, the raising, same thing. yeah, raising, raising my kids. And then, and then, you know, I, I try to do everything, bring meaning to all, I mean, it's the meaning movement, right? Like this, it's a big thing for me to be, to be contributing to things that I believe in, but this is something I really, I really believe in. Um, but for people that are listening, um, I'm sure people are asking, you know, so how, how can we help? What, what can we do? And um, so maybe, you know, whether that be, 
low-hanging fruit for the choices they're making in their lives or specifically around spreading the word? I'm curious what your thoughts are. Yeah. Okay. So let's start talk about the low-hanging fruit. Yeah. Take that low-hanging fruit, do what you love and mm. that you're passionate about for the environment, and then try to 10x it a little bit. So let's give, let's give an example. If you live in a condo and you're passionate about, I don't know, composting, right? Yeah. Um, you can compost in your own kitchen, right? You have the little bucket and the, the outside your door, I guess you'd have a little hill of worms. Um, but what if you could get the whole condo complex compa- composting? That yes. is the way to 10x it. Um, systemic change is what we're really after because individual change is, is going to be a, a little bit too small. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't have to be that you're marching on Washington with a picket sign. You yes. can literally just compost within your um, condo community and affect maybe 300 other families. Yes. That's a big change. The signs that I was talking about earlier where you yeah. say like you're going to turn your car off and not idle it. That's fantastic. Um, get other people to do that. Put it in the school newsletter. Hey, when we're picking people up, let's not idle our car. Um, Seth talks about this one in his town. So this is this is a this is a phenomenal statistic. So apparently, if um, one hour of using a gas leaf blower um, emits as much carbon as driving your car to California in that one hour, and so in his town. I think yeah. like 40 people got together and like banned gas leaf blowers. It wasn't yeah. like they didn't need thousands of people to do it. It was like 40 people and people were like, yeah, we should probably ban those. And yes. it was done. So again, you might not use a gas leaf blower, but what if your whole town could just ban them? Mm. Um, you see those bans with um, plastic bags. It's a good yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And those are just really, really great examples of that, that multiplication effect. Um, yeah, absolutely. And then, yeah. you know, talk about it, like learn yeah. a few facts. If you don't want to, you know, you could, you can, you can get the kid's book for free. Um, it's right on the Carbon Almanac's web- website. It's carbonalmanac.org slash kids. Um, download it, read the kid's book and start talking about it because even the kid's book will allow you to talk intelligently about climate change. I love it. It's so, so good. Well, I just want to say, you know, um, to you as maybe representative of the rest of the community, just thank you for doing this work and making this. It's beautiful and it's meaningful to me and um, it's helping. And so, um, yeah, I'm just really, really excited to, I'm excited to see the change continue to spread. Right. Absolutely. And it didn't feel like work. So that's, that's the good part. I love it. I love it. Well, I know we've already mentioned it, but for folks that want to you know, get more involved and um, follow along, what, what specific steps would you like to invite people to? Well, let's see. Um, they can go to the carbonalmanac.org. There's tons of resources there. So um, not only is the kids book there with the translations for free, but um, a group of people did a companion photo book. Um, that shows climate change um, right before your eyes, right? Yeah. Around the world um, using photos. Um, there's an educator's guide um, on the website for teachers who want to incorporate the Carbon Almanac or Generation Carbon, which is the kids' book, into their lesson plans. And um, for teachers that are using the platform Seesaw, which is used in um, tons of classrooms, 
Yes. Um, tons of elementary school classrooms. Um, we have lesson plans on Seesaw that are ready made that link oh, that back cool. to, um, yeah, that link back to the, um, the, the kids' book. Love it. I love it. Well, we'll make sure to link up to those um, in the show notes and um, so people can just click right on through. I know my son used Seesaw when he was when he was remote. I assume they use it in, in the classroom in, um, in his school as well. Um, so I'll, I'll have to point his, his teachers in that direction, which is, yeah, which is it, great, we're, great. I think we're called the Carbon Almanac on Seesaw. If you just I search for that, you, there's, there's 12 lessons right now. Um, and cool. we're always adding more because teachers seem to really um, take take this to heart and really yeah. um, be using our lessons. So it's a Love great it. way for us to get the message to spread. So great. Well, Paige, this has been so fun. Thank you so much for just sharing so much of your experience and, and the work you're doing here. And um, thanks for just joining me on the show. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for watching and listening. You can find links to everything that we talked about in our show notes at themeaningmovement.com. If you haven't left a rating or review wherever you're watching or listening, please take a moment to do that. On YouTube, you can hit that thumbs up button. On most of the podcast catchers, you can leave some sort of star rating plus a few words. And that is how people find this show. It's particularly helpful on Apple, but you can also do it on Spotify, Amazon, and a bunch of other podcast catchers. Our music is by Tom Roram. Our artwork is by Eliezer Ruiz. We'll be back with you shortly. Thanks so much. It pays to paint with Lowe's. Pros can earn more faster by signing up for our MVPs Pro Rewards program. Get up to 20% back when you buy more paint, including top paint and stain brands pros trust, such as HGTV Home by Sherwin-Williams and Valspar. Visit us in-store or at Lowe's.com today to get started. Based on minimum qualifying annual spend, Lowe's gift card must be claimed by last day of calendar year. Valid through twelve thirty one. Additional exclusions, terms, and conditions apply. See Lowe's.com slash L slash pro loyalty terms for details. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Carbon Connection a rebroadcast of the Meaning Movement podcast. This episode was created in collaboration with host Dan Cumberland. We thank Dan for letting us share this episode with you. Special thanks to Barbara Orsi for introducing us to the episode today. Since launching in March 2022, the podcast network has produced 110 episodes on a range of topics for listeners age 6 and up. To explore the catalog of episodes produced by the Carbon Almanac Podcast Network, go to thecarbonalmanac.org slash podcasts. Thank you for joining us today. See you next time.